Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast for a bonus fourth episode this week. I'm Bobby Sylvester with Mike Taglier, as always. Tags, how's it going, man? It is fantastic, Bobby. I just last night I finished my final draft of the year. I, I'm I mean I cut leagues down this year. I'm I'm actually in ten leagues this year. I think five of them are dynasty, so I'm kind of happy about that. But man, I am I'm just happy that we're now officially about to start week one. I put up my rankings today, and then tomorrow my massive article comes out that it's going to cover so much stuff. You guys are going to love it. It's like sixteen thousand words. It's ridiculous. There is so much going on in my life right now with football, like. I feel like I'm forgetting something major. Like, I'm sure that, <laughs> I, I mean, I, we've got all kinds of guys on the team who are going to make sure I do all my work, but there's just so much going on. It's like, man, I'm going to forget some some big article or something. I, I'm just, I'm nervous. It, it's a big week, man. It's so much fun. I'm just so excited to be chatting football. And here today, we're going to have a different kind of episode. Our guests are actually Tom Federico and David Hess of TeamRankings.com. We've been telling you about our new partnership with them the past few episodes, and we've got a promo code for their services before the end of the episode. Today, we'll be chatting with them about week one spreads, over-unders, team win projections, then pick'em pools and survivor pools. Tom, David, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us on, Bobby and Tags. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So, Tom, I've used your site for years I've been raving about it, telling our listeners, uh, you know, what about the 200,000 pages of data they can, uh, they can find there. What else can they expect to find? Yeah, so I think the you know stats are kind of what we're known for. It's where most of our traffic comes from on the site. Yeah, a lot of fantasy players, as you know, uh, you know the the hunger for stats is uh, increasing every year. It seems like, and uh, we were just in a good place to uh, to offer that up to people. Um, but you know, for, as far as today's concern, most of our most of our brain power at Team Rankings goes into um, both uh, betting picks and office pool picks. So um, we've developed predictive models to uh, to obviously project the outcomes of games. And then we've built some products to help people um, come up with the best possible picks for their survivor pools and for their NFL pick'em pools this year. No, this is great. The reason that I think it's great that we're, we're kind of doing this episode is because I'm always preaching to people that the more you know about the, the actual game of football, whether it be the betting odds, whether it be the total over under, everything that you know is a small part of this puzzle that can all exactly. help you in fantasy football. And team rankings, it's so weird, Bobby. Like we did the partnership uh, with some, we've done some partnerships this off season where I've actually used the services of other sites and team rankings is one of those sites. So it's like, it, it's nice to have them on to talk to them. We're going to ask some questions that how can stats, how can over-unders, how can, you know, point spreads, how can that dictate how to use fantasy players? And I think that, you know, before we had started recording the show, I think that they're going to be able to answer some of these questions with the models that they do in terms of the confidence pools and how they project games. So I'm excited for this episode. Well, I mean, over-under is a great example, right? I mean, the, uh, that's that's something that's You're right. straight from the betting world, right? And then, you know, we, we're not huge fantasy guys, but it's kind of funny, like you fantasy guys, just especially the DFS crowd, kind of took over our over under, right? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's like one of the the primary stats, the you know the numbers that that DFS guys are using to to project, you know, how many points are going to be scored and stuff like that. And um, it's just been interesting to see how nobody knew what that was at one point, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. everybody who knows, you know, who wants to know anything about about DFS, especially, that's the first thing they talk about. So yeah, and stuff like uh, like pace statistics you yes. know basically if you play an extra 10 plays per game that's the equivalent of playing like 1.1 games it's if you get extra plays it's you know extra fantasy points you can get uh, anyway one of the types of contests we're going to be talking about these things are butting up everywhere you've seen the hilton super contest well i imagine most of you listening have we 
where you can win millions of dollars. And it seems like a lot of people are doing this type of format, even with their buddies, or, you know, they just want to beat the over-under spreads with uh, straight-up betting. Um, so I want to talk about two big week one matchups. Tags, the Cowboys are favored by six points over the Giants. Even with Zeke being out, I'm not really buying into them covering this spread unless Zeke is healthy. And even then, I'm not really sure. What do you think about this, buddy? Yeah, this is nuts. Did the line move? Uh, like, because I, I saw this earlier in the week and I saw the Cowboys favored by three and a half points and I thought it was nuts to begin with. Like, I honestly don't think the Cowboys should be favored in this game. I know they're at home. I know it's a divisional right, game. Yeah. And typically, when you, typically, so you guys know, listening, if you don't know, in terms of lines, a team is usually favored by three points, like automatically, just because they're at home. And being a division game, it's it's it tends to be closer than than expected. But this one blows my mind. The Cowboys have lost two starting cornerbacks. They lost two of their top three safeties. They're going to be without their best interior defensive lineman, David Irving, who's on suspension this week. The Giants lost some offensive linemen this this offseason. Yeah, they. They lost two offensive linemen. They may not have Ezekiel Elliott. I don't even care if they do have Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know why they'd be favored. The Giants didn't really lose anyone this offseason. Can you incredible guys ex- defense? Yeah. Can you guys explain to us, you know, how this line opened the way it did? And I think one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys. What determines the initial lines in Vegas? Because, you know, we know that the public over time, you know, if they see too many bets going on one side, their their goal is to have even action on both sides. But what determines the, the, the opening line for Vegas? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple aspects there. And, you know, I'm, I wouldn't position myself as the ultimate wise guy in terms of my knowledge there. But I do think there are a couple common misconceptions out there in terms of how lines are set and and how they move, uh, you know, one, the whole, this whole adage about, you know, all the bookmakers want to do is balance the action on each side. You know, I think that's, that's something that gets thrown a lot around a lot. That's not necessarily always the case, you know, they can, they, 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 I mean, they can lock in a very small profit margin if, you know, with no risk, if they, if they perfectly balance the action on both sides. But, you know, I think if you talk to bookmakers, you know, I've made a couple rounds with, uh, with, uh, with the guys and, you know, there's not too many of them anymore. It's, it's such, the industry has consolidated so much like the Vegas sports books in the last uh, five to 10 years, especially. But, um, you know, when when you talk to them, it's, you know, they there are opportunities for them to take risk positions and try to, you know, take a little risk to make a little bit more profit. Uh, a lot of them, you know, sometimes even shade lines based on who the specific big time bettors are who like to bet at their sports book and they'll try to take advantage wow. of even customer by customer kind of betting trends to um, again take a little bit more risk and try to eke out a little bit more profit than than kind of what they'd be guaranteed if they perfectly balance the action. And so, you know, that that's you know one one aspect of it that I, that I personally find really interesting. And in terms of how lines are set, you know, what what I hear more often than not is just the practice that, you know, a lot of a lot of places aren't handicapping games anymore. It's just there are a couple offshore sports books that, um, you know, kind of slow play the opening lines that they release and let let some of their customers bet into them and then quickly adjust, you know, based on the patterns they see coming in. And then, you know, by the time it gets to, um, you know, a lot of other kind of sports books, they're just kind of copycatting what the market has adjusted to in the early going. So, again, you know, I wouldn't say. I'm the I'm the greatest expert in the world on those topics, but I, I do find that I think there are a lot of assumptions thrown out there on how how bookies set lines and how lines move that that aren't really the case. So, David, what do you make of this line moving a little bit? I mean, I understand the Cowboys are America's team, and uh, people like to bet on their team, especially Week One. They're getting hyped up for the NFL season. Do you think the general public knows something that Tax and I maybe don't know? Or, uh, you know, is there, are they missing out on something? 
Well, you were talking about the line going to uh, Cowboys by six a minute ago, so I was looking that up while while uh, Tom was talking about how lines are set, and I'm seeing it still at three and a half and three at five dimes and at Pinnacle. So if you have six somewhere, like grab the <laughs> grab the plus six for New York Giants. <laughs> for Put sure. your house on it immediately. <laughs> no, I mean I think um, so. You you're basically asking why is Dallas favored because it seems like they shouldn't be with with their injuries and, and stuff. Right. right. Everything, everything taken into account. Like what would, you know, how do you factor in the losses? I mean, this being the first game of the season, it's obviously a very difficult one to gauge in terms of models because so sure. many, there's so many variables and things that have changed, but what would lead a model to believe Dallas would win this game? Well, I mean, for one thing, they're at home, right? So if, if the line is about three, three and a half, that means that the underlying uh, strength of the teams is about even. So, I mean, last year, I think it's fair to say Dallas was better than the Giants. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if they've had, you know, if if they've come back to the pack a little bit and, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's out, you know, maybe being even with the Giants is, is a fair assessment of them. So, you know, being favored at home is, is not a big surprise there. So let me get this straight. Okay. So there's not much data going into the season. Like we, we don't have any, right? And nothing has happened. There's no stats. There's been a lot of changes in the off season. So when you guys are building your model, like how does this work? What do you exactly take into account? Well, well, there is data, right? I mean, there's, you know, every year you have a set of historical data from previous years and, and, you know, plus information on, on what's changed in the off season, um, you know, that you can, you can apply historically. And I, you know, David can elaborate on, on some of the way our models work, but, um, you know, I wouldn't say there's, there's no data, you know, we, we, we can, every season we can go see where things ended up the year before and, and what changed and, quantify that stuff somehow and you know throw it into a throw it into a model and see what happens but david yeah so i actually i think saying that there's no data um kind of implies that there's a lot of data at the end of a season which um you know isn't quite true like there's a lot of data but there's a lot of noise in nfl data and it's it's a short season and the data that we get is not as reliable as people think so at the beginning of the year you're not really missing as much data as you think you are relative to the end of the year like yeah you're missing some obviously but you still have the rosters you still have how the teams performed in the in the past year or two which still you know it has predictive value even though it didn't happen this season so in our preseason ratings that we use to to drive our season projections which i think we're going to talk about later the main things that go into that are you know last year's performance obviously is important um but it gets regressed towards uh like a prior baseline that takes a few years of performance into account so even like how a team performed three years ago statistically can help you predict how they're going to perform this year because most of the time there's some consistency with the organization over that time the roster isn't totally turned over a lot of times it's the same coaching staff a lot of times it's the same quarterback so you you kind of you still have data from past years to help you with with this year's projections and um you know the other stuff that goes into the to to the preseason ratings that's pretty important is uh draft pick information so what we found is like having high draft picks from three and four years ago is is like the most important thing. Not the most important thing, but in terms of the draft, it's it's the most important couple of years for for your team getting better this year. Usually, like the draft picks from last year are still the rookies; they're not getting a lot of playing time. But but teams that had really good draft classes three and four years ago tend to improve quite a bit. And 
that makes a lot of sense. Upcoming season. Well, the the, the, cla- the classic one I'd say just to throw one more in is the the whole turnover, um, you know, turnover luck essentially in in the, the yeah, previous yeah. year. Oh, it's just a big random number generator, right? Right. Yeah. So you know, you look at these teams who underperformed in the prior year, and then you realize that you know just because of of randomness, they turn the ball over an insane amount of times. And, you know, that that's something that I think the market's adjusted to pretty much pretty well by now. It's talked about a lot, but it was kind of an obvious factor in retrospect that I think a lot of people didn't really grasp until, you know, more recently. No, no. I just wanted to chime in because like, so the Giants Cowboys, I want to just touch back on this because I'm, I'm still befuddled by it. I'm not a betting man, but if I were to bet in this game, I'd be betting Giants. Like, so the Giants did win both games last year. These two teams played head to head. It was only by a point in each game. But Dak Prescott, the really interesting part to me is Dak was so much better than people think. But how much is it weighed on past performance against teams? Because Dak Prescott last year, he completed just just 50% of his passes against them. He averaged 4.8 yards per attempt combined in those two games. He threw one touchdown. And I think we could argue that the Cowboys team has gotten worse this offseason, whereas the Giants, I, I think they're only taking steps forward. They just added Ross Cockrell from the Steelers, adding to their cornerback depth there. But there's just so many things here that are – and so that's why I thought this episode – Well, you know, Beckham game, might actually miss week one, too. That would be pretty substantial. It would. Marshall was added. Obviously, Evan Ingram was added. There's some there's some different pieces, but it's it's really interesting to me. But the one question I wanted to ask about this – Okay, so line movement in terms of over-under. Let's touch on that because, as you mentioned, it's a big thing in the DFS crowd, and I pay attention to that a lot. So what are the actual results of the scoring based on live movement? So let's pretend a line, the total drops from 51 down to 48. What are are the actual results of that? Like, Do we know if it's greater than, say, a 60% odds that the score does go below the original total? Is there any correlation that you guys have studied with that? Yeah, it's fine. I, I don't. I can't. I don't have any sort of uh, nuggets on that to just whip out and uh, and sort of quote and wouldn't want to attempt to. But uh, you know, we do have on our site. If you go to our matchup pages for uh, NFL games, you can see uh, line movement trends, which we post. You know, we we gather uh, both the opening lines and then you know we track all the movement from open to close and post. Uh, you know, for a couple sports books at least, it's all posted on the site, so you can see the graph of kind of how things are moving. And then we do have some some kind of highlights at the bottom of those pages that say you know when um you know we, we, we pull the numbers and say when the when the line has opened at this number and kind of closed at that number um you know here's typically what's happened what percentage actually went over and under and that yeah sort of i was just looking up that that data as, as you were saying uh it's the advantage of tag so, teaming here yeah i know so we we i see 14 games in our database where the uh initial over under was 51 or higher and then it moved at least three points uh lower and in those games, uh, it looks like the over went eight and six, so barely over fifty percent against the close. And that's a small sample size. I mean, just fourteen. Yeah, games. It's, a, it's a super small sample size. It doesn't really tell you anything, but you know, uh, for some some games, there would be a larger sample. You know, like uh, if it's a small amount of movement and the the over under started closer to forty five or something, there's probably a bigger sample to look at to see how that how makes that sense turns out. But on that note, tags, we got to go back to what you said last time, which is it just fascinates me because I feel like this is this is why we make bad podcast guests, because you can spit out all these stats and I can't. But at the same time, like as you were talking about Prescott and all the stats, the only thing I'm saying in my mind and I am not 
I'm not the statistician on the team rankings team, but I've, <laughs> I've learned enough from guys like David over the years. I sort of tried to uh, absorb it from it. Like it's two games, right? It's a sample size of two games. What if the guy ate some uh, some bad eggs for breakfast and <laughs> McDonald's hash brown didn't sit right with him, right? Like there's stuff we're never going to know. And certainly not at the level where we can sort of, you know, quantify it and study it and figure out if there actually is a significant predictive effect. Um, you know, so I think that's that's a lot of the a lot of the times when we kind of, you know, sort of run into I won't say run into trouble, but you know, people people always want to relate some sort of rational reason that that's easily understandable why, you know, the, the Cowboys are favored by by three and a half right now. And I don't believe it when in reality, it's kind of like if it were that easy, if the answer were like, oh, well, you know, Dak Prescott had two bad games last year or this and that, then, um, you know, I mean, then then the, the the market would just go away. Right. I mean, it'd just be it's that's not true. it's not easy. There are complicated factors underlying all of this. And um, and there's always randomness that throws a huge curveball especially when you're you're looking at you know a sample size of two games right oh yeah well that's the thing is so i'm believe me i i'm with you 100 in terms of small sample size i think it's just the matchups that the cowboys and the giants have and that's why it's so fascinating to me like analyzing these things right because like des bryant will match up with janoris jenkins and the cowboys really don't have a number two like Ter- terrence williams isn't scaring anybody jason witten's like 90 cole beasley man cole beasley yeah he's gonna be a ppr option but yeah. like so it's just like interesting to me. And you're right. It's a, it's a game of inches and things can change just like that. It's just, it's so, it's, it's, it's fan, it's fascinating to me. So I, I, I that's why I wanted to talk about this game just because it, it struck me as, as a game that like I felt strongly about in terms of like, I think, I think the line could honestly, I could make the argument why the line should go the other way, even though the Cowboys are at home, maybe make it minus one and a half giants. But uh, let's talk about a game that you guys maybe feel strongly about. You know, is there any game that in week one where it's say, because I know this one's close. Is there an indicator in any of these games that like the confidence level is like way up there? Like, let's say, yeah, we're pretty confident that the pa- the Patriots are going to to smash, you know, the, the the eight points that they're giving the Chiefs. Or is there is there a game that you guys feel confident about? Like if someone's in like a confidence pool right now? Well, I can tell you exactly how confident we feel. 57.3%. So, I mean, that's kind of, those are the terms that we deal with, right? I mean, yeah. and, and I'll tell you what, I mean, guess how confident you are. Would you, would you bet your life on 57.3% tags? Uh, so, I mean, I think, you know, that's, that's the top pick right now of our, our point spread picks. And, and we do the way our models work in terms of predicting individual games is they are dynamic in that, you know, if, uh, if something were to happen in that game, and the line were to move like tremendously, for example, our our uh, our models would essentially recalculate their predictions. So, um, you know that that may not be where it stands tomorrow morning, for example. But um, you know, right now, I mean, I think you know, obviously with, with point spreads and betting, you know, I think pretty common knowledge now that uh, you know if you can if you can long term pick at a fifty five percent or greater rate, especially against the NFL, which is you know you know arguably one of the more efficient betting markets. Um, you know, that, then you can probably make a living doing that. You know, if you can figure out how to get enough action down once, once all the, all the sports books figure out that you're sharp. Um, you know, but, you know, that being said, right. I mean, it's always caveating these betting picks where, um, you know, everybody and, you know, we serve these customers as well. And it's, you know, we, we want to put the models out and put the data out there, but, um, you know, understand what 57.3% means and the fact that, you know, you can, you can win five in a row and you can lose five in a row, you know, very 
very realistically at those odds. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of trying to trying to maintain it over the long term. That's a great way to put it. So the, the last game I want to ask you about is this Seattle Green Bay game. This could be the NFC Championship preview. I mean, both of these guys have franchise quarterbacks. Seattle has a really good defense. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he might be the greatest quarterback of all time. Right now, the Lions got the Green Bay at minus three. Um, what are you guys seeing in this game? I mean, this game, looking at our projections right now, it's it's one that we're, again, not very... Uh, we don't have any confident picks on the spread okay. or the totals. That that generally happens. I I feel like anecdotally that happens a lot for the games that people ask me about that everyone's interested in. And I haven't looked into this to <laughs> yeah. see if we if it if it's actually something that occurs or if it's just my feeling. But at, I feel like maybe these big time games the lines get pounded into a, a more efficient state than you know. Uh, a Rams game or something like the that. The Bills and Jets. <laughs> yeah, Bills yeah, and sure. Jets, which is basically a college football game, right? Well, I'll tell you, though, that that, that game right there factors into pick strategy this week. I don't know if we want to... Let's... Interesting. Yeah, we're definitely going to move on to that. Uh, first, I'd like to stop by and take a look at each of the divisions here. Uh, just the over-unders on wins and talk about maybe who's going to win the divisions. Um, Tags, I want to ask you first. We'll start in the AFC East. Is there anyone besides the Patriots that even has a chance in the AFC East? Like, even if Tom Brady goes down and Garoppolo takes over, I'm still picking the Patriots to win by like two or three games. Yeah, it's not really close in my estimation. <laughs> I think that I think Vegas, like the 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 odds at Buffalo, that the the Dolphins, the Jets, like this is just a bad division. Like, I want to say that Vegas has the Dolphins projected to win. Uh, six and a half games. I think that's the over under there. And, you know, that's not really good when projecting guys like Jay Ajayi in terms of game script. But yeah, there's not a chance that the Patriots don't make the playoffs this year. I mean, I, I actually looked at this on your site because you guys have, you know, your standings and projections. I want to say you guys had the Patriots down as uh, like 93% or something like that to make the playoffs. And I think that's yeah. a very correct assessment. Uh, there's nobody else in this division that's even it, it's not even close. I think the Dolphins defense is underrated. I could see them getting a wild card, but I'm definitely not going to bet on it. Yeah, I, I almost feel like 93% feels low to me. Yeah. New England yeah. to make the playoffs. <laughs> I, I, it feels like it would just take a disaster for them to, to not make it, but... For sure. And that's what people ask me. They're like, Mike, what's your Super Bowl prediction this year? I'm like, honestly, I, I know it sounds corny, but I don't know how you don't pick the Patriots to represent the AFC. Um, Pittsburgh is a team that really interests me. I think their offense is finally healthy. They have enough parts. They've added to it. Their defense played better last year. They're continually getting better, adding TJ Watt to that defense. Like they're a team that's there, but it's it's really interesting. Do you guys have, you know, do you guys have a projection as to who you think the Super Bowl is going to be? Is it the Patriots? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to try and if you're going to pick the team that's most likely to win it's obviously the patriots like if you don't say that you're you're just not doing it correctly <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean the, now that's they're not geek, they're geek not trash more talk like, right there <laughs> well they're not more likely than not to win they're still like most likely someone else will win just because there's so much you know luck and randomness that yeah i see you guys having them at 23% right now and nobody else above 10% so like, by far, they're the favorite, but yeah, yeah. I mean, 23% is extremely high for a preseason NFL Super Bowl projection. And yeah, you the next 
best, I think, are uh, Seahawks. Looks like Seattle and and Pittsburgh are right under ten percent. So you guys think that Pittsburgh is probably the team that could knock the Patriots off? I've got another team in mind. Um, so let's go over on over to the AFC North. Um, Tags, we've got Pittsburgh. I, I think they're going to run away with this division. I know a lot of people are saying Cincinnati's going to be close. I like their offense. Uh, their defense, I think, takes a step backward this year. And then Baltimore. You know, if Joe Flacco can stay healthy. They have no running backs. They're going to pass the ball 650 times. But uh, what do you think about these two teams? Obviously, we don't even need to talk about Cleveland. Yeah, Cincinnati's losing some parts on defense. They're aging there a little bit. In their offensive uh, line, I, yeah. I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm, their offensive line lost a couple parts. They did add some offensive pieces, but I just don't think it's close. I think Pittsburgh, if they remain healthy, I think Roethlisberger is like the key to that team, right? Where if he goes down, Joshua Dobbs cannot lead this team. Landry Jones can't lead this team, whereas Jimmy Garoppolo is there in New England. So Pittsburgh, it relies on health. I think they could suffer an inj- injury or two to a, a key player, but just not Ben Roethlisberger. He's like the glue that holds everything together. Baltimore is somehow always in the mix, regardless of who's on their team, who's playing at wide receiver. You're right. Uh, but for me, it, it's definitely Pittsburgh for me in this division. Yeah, it's Pittsburgh as well. And uh, what do you guys have? Is Pittsburgh running away with this thing? Yeah, I mean, we have them as solid favorites. It looks like we have them at uh, 52% to win the division right now. And then Cincy and Baltimore, both in the low 20s. So, I mean, they're uh, looking at all the divisions. That's actually the third most third highest uh, percentage for a, for a division leader. So they're a strong favorite. It's just, you know, anytime... Uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore are better than Miami and Buffalo, right? And Pittsburgh's not as good as New England. So there's there's a chance that someone else, you know, put, puts it together and, and catches them. But most likely, Pittsburgh is, is going to win the division. I mean, they're they're the best team based on what we know now, I think. For sure. I'm getting really sad looking at the AFC South. I, I'm a Jaguars fan. <laughs> you guys have them fourth. I mean, this division has four mediocre teams. Like, all four of them could finish... They have Blake Bortles, Bobby. Or Stop it. They have Blake Bortles. And the, uh, and the other four could finish 500 or worse. I mean, Houston has Tom Savage. Tom Savage is worse than Blake Bortles. <laughs> there is no doubt about that. Yeah. Houston lost A.J. Bouye. Um, you know, Jacksonville picked him up. I think Jacksonville's defense is almost as good as Houston's. I mean, I'm, I'm nitpicking here because it's 0.8 points. I'm sorry, 0.8 wins. That's the difference. But it just made me feel sad. So you guys have Tennessee as the number one team here. Uh, I, I think I've got to agree with you that they're probably the most likely to win. Yeah, I mean, this is going by like the, the bottom end of the division. It's the most wide open division. Yeah. Like, Jacksonville's in last place, but we have them with an 18% chance to win the division, which is you know pretty high for, for fourth, right? If everyone had an even chance, it would be 25%. So they're, they're just a little bit under even to, to win. So it's really anybody could, could take this. But yeah, we have Tennessee as slight favorite over Houston. Uh, with Indianapolis and Jacksonville kind of having been a Rams fan say solidly back but it's like it's one win right yeah (laughs) having been a Rams fan for 20 years until they left you got just completely ripped away by their uh their selfish owner I've never seen 17 percent division odds in the past 15 years so I'm pretty psyched to see that right now guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> tags who do you have oh in this division God. you should spend more time on the site <laughs> yeah no for sure for sure and i mean going through the divisions it's tough to to do that i mean is there anybody i know you guys are models guy like model driven guys but is there anybody that may surprise anyone and what you guys have seen in your models like in, anywhere in the nfl and just any division is there any team that you guys just think that could surprise a lot of people hmm. <laughs> well we have um carolina is basically even with Atlanta in the NFC South, which, you know, would be a huge change from last year, obviously, yeah. with Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, kind of dominating there and, and making it to the 
Super Bowl. Um, I don't, to be honest, I don't know what other people think about what's going to happen. Right, so it's tough right. for me to say yeah. which ones are surprises, but um, eyeballing it, I'm guessing that one that one might be considered a surprise. That's the one like, that stood out to me Atlanta, as well. Atlanta, 8.9 wins, and Carolina with 8.8. So I'm assuming it comes yeah. down to uh, Cam Newton's passing stats positively regressing and also their defensive uh, turnover stats positively re- regressing because both of them were just horrible last season. Uh, I don't really think that that's a sustainable low. McCaffrey's going to have 10,000 yards, though. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to Stanford guy, remember? Yeah, they have a playbook just for him, I heard. I don't know I don't know how that's going to work with everybody else, but uh, apparently he has his own playbook. Wow. That's news, yeah, that's, mean, some, that's news that broke today, by the way. You know, his brother's a really good quarterback. He's going to be the starter for Michigan here pretty soon. Um, I think maybe they should just put McCaffrey at quarterback and let him run the Wildcat all day. I mean, Cam Newton's done, in there my opinion. <laughs> I'm dying over here. Oh God. Um, no, let's, let's go, let's go. Let's move on to, in terms of the survivor picks and things like that, guys, is there any particular strategy that you guys have come up with? That's going to be fantastic. Cause there's a lot of people who, even if you play fantasy, you might do an office pool. You might do a pick em thing or survivor. What are you guys doing for, for people that are in those type of pools with your, with your service on the site? Yeah. I mean, there, you know, it's, it's obviously a much different approach. If you're in a pick em pool where you have to, you know, every week just pick all the winners or pick all the teams against the point spread versus a survivor pool where you just have to, you know, pick one team that's going to win and you're constrained that you can't pick them again. Um, so I get, you know, if we go to pick and pools first, I mean, our, this is kind of what we completely geek out on right here. Just the, the strategy behind these pools, because, you know, I think, you know, there's probably three levels where most people consider in terms of, uh, in terms of winning, winning strategy for pick and pulls, let's say. So a lot of people just think it's luck, right? And that nothing else matters. It's, that's clearly not the case. You know, our, our, our customers win pick, win football pools in general about two to three times as often as, um, as they're expected to. And, you know, same thing if you look at daily fantasy, right? Where what is it? 1% of the players win like 80% of the prize money, right? So it's pretty clear that there's skill involved in, in these types of games. Um, and I think the second thing is most people think, oh, well, to win it, yeah, it's partly luck. We just have to have good predictions, right? So it's all about predictions and need to be better than everybody else at sort of forecasting who's going to be the most likely team to win. Well, it turns out that's only part of the story. And actually it's a, it's a shrinking part of the story in terms of, in terms of strategy is, is concerned, right? Cause like 10 years ago, um, you know, there wasn't that much, um, you know, popular knowledge about say the point spreads, um, you know, among like typical football pool players, right? Um, and you, you would never hear it on TV. And these days, you know, the sportscasters are throwing out the spreads left and right. It's just, you know, the, the, the understanding of what a point spread means and, um, and what it implies in terms of who's the most likely team to win is, is sort of, you know, like it's well understood by many people and, and point spreads are great predictors. And so now the, the playing field on the prediction side been, has been kind of leveled as well, right? There's not like the old days where, you know, you, you, you might think that teams would win by 10 and somebody else would think it's an even game. I think that's that those sorts of situations are, are pretty much gone now. The, they just don't exist. Markets aren't that inefficient anymore. So you're, you're left with strategy, right? Figuring out how you can un, outguess your opponents and outsmart them using kind of more game theory type principles to win these pools. And, and that's what we do. So, you know, we, we try to study and identify the, you know, build software to study and identify the opportunities where um, you, you can pick games certain ways that give you, um, you know, sort of uh, unfair, unnaturally large advantages over your over your opponents, um, you know, typically looking 
for, you know, very, very much like fantasy football, where you guys study, uh, you know, value-based drafting as a concept, right? You know, it's sort of constrained resources. You're picking players against other teams. And so, you know, why do you wait to pick a quarterback? Well, you know, these five are all going to sort of project it around the same. And doesn't matter. I shouldn't waste a pick on them right now. We apply those same types of strategies to, to pick and pulls. Wow. Uh, guys, news just broke. I don't know what this does to you guys. I'm, I'm guessing it changes a lot with your side as well. But uh, the Bucks dolphins game, the Bucks dolphins game, they're actually, it, it seems like they're going to reschedule it for week 11 when both teams have a bye Whoa. week. Uh, that They're saying it's not final, but it's very likely because of the hurricane that's coming in uh, through the Florida area. So um, that's massive news uh, in terms of like what it does for those teams, because now they don't have a bye week, essentially, uh, from week one through 17. Uh, it changes the slate of games. That's that's breaking news on our show. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, I would not want to have a bye week on week one if I was an NFL football player. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, it definitely puts you at a disadvantage like the remainder of the season. It's not a good thing for either team, but it seems I, I, I would have rather had them play the game on a neutral site. I, I just don't see how that couldn't have happened in some sort of way, but I guess there's things bigger than football at, at this time. So. I mean, the Dolphins basically have four bye weeks. They've got Buffalo and they've got the Jets, so I, they'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, that, those might be their only four wins, but I, I don't know. Could be so, wrong. you know, I've read all your stuff on March Madness because, I mean, you guys do the football stuff and it's incredible. Like, I'm all over your site all football season, but like March Madness, I'm sure you guys get so much traffic there because it is the absolute greatest. Like it is the climax of the year, in my opinion. And I've understood the way that you approach things with expected value. You know, if, if, um, a team is going to be picked by 80% and they've got a 65% chance of winning, then your expected value is significantly higher. Does that apply here to the pick and pull theory? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's obviously a huge crux of it. And there's, there are different angles to it in that, you know, you're not looking exclusively at expected value because, you know, if you just look at expected value, you know, typically, for example, big underdogs uh, tend to have value associated with them. They're not popular. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, you might, you might find value, for example, in um, in, picking uh, Chicago to beat Atlanta this week. That's a great one. Okay. So, sh I mean, right now I'm looking, well, I'm looking, I'm saying there's value and I'm looking at the numbers right now, right? Like according to Vegas's odds and our odds, Chicago's got about a 30% chance to win that game, right? Probably 90% of people are going to pick the Falcons, right? Uh, 94 to be exact, uh, Bobby. So, uh, so 94% of people are picking, uh, are picking Atlanta, right? So the difference there, if I take the, you know, win odds of roughly 30%, subtract 6%, uh, you know, of the, of their popularity rate, there's a difference of 24, 25% there. Uh, you know, so that, that's sort of, you know, the, the, the Falcons from a pick em pool perspective, the Falcons are clearly being overrated significantly in that game by the general public. But does that mean you should pick them, right? And the answer is, well, probably not, right? Because it's not, it's not a, it's not a one game pick em pool that you're competing against, you know, a sort of fixed set of players, right? You've got 17 weeks of picks to make. You've got, you know, many picks to make, you know, up to, you know, 16 picks to make every week. And so, you know, there are other factors you have to figure in to that and saying, well, hey, if I get too risky too early in a pick em pool, we find this, this is probably one of the biggest, um, you know, from a strategy kind of advantage standpoint, one of the biggest, um, you know, things that we notice is that, you know, people tend to be picked far too aggressively in the early going of these pools and then be far too conservative at the in their end game when they're kind of jockeying for position for a prize. And so, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, you, you don't want to you don't want to 
go way out on a limb early on. Um, you know, it's a better strategy typically to let people shoot themselves in the foot, picking too many upsets early on, stay more conservative, and then kind of ramp up the game theory as you get further on in the pool. So, I mean, to contrast that, I mean, so we brought up this example before of um, Seattle versus Green Bay, right? So let's go, uh, we can we can go back to that one. So Seattle's got roughly 40% odds to win that game, right? They're three-point underdogs. So, um, you know, historically, that's about the rate they're going to win. Um, but, you know, over 80% of the public is picking uh, Green Bay to win the game, right? So there's 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 value or, you know, Seattle's being underrated. There's value on Seattle. but And their chance to win is not as low as Chicago's, right? Like 40%, it's, it's a, you know, it's a legit excuse me, a legitimate underdog, but it, it's certainly feasible, right? It's going to, it's, it's not going to be a total shock of Seattle. Yeah, it's not going to surprise off. anyone. Right, right. So compare that game to what I would consider to be like the, the trendy upset pick or one of them in pick and pools this week, which is New Orleans over Minnesota. Um, and so, you know, in that game, Minnesota's the favorite. Um, they're minus, looks like they're minus three and a half right now. And you're you're basically not getting any value on that game picking New Orleans, right? New Orleans has uh, about a 40% chance to win that game, okay, which is similar to Seattle, right? But actually, 52% of the public, um, or excuse me, 48% of the public is picking um, is picking New Orleans. So uh, there's basically, you know, there's not as much difference there, right? So uh, you might as well go, if, if you're, for the same, well, I like to put it, for the same price, you're paying the price of, you know, 40% odds to win. Uh, if you're going to pick an upset, go for Seattle um, over New Orleans. That's terrific. So, so how does this translate to survivor pick theory? I mean, it's a completely different animal. Like, what is the difference here? Well, I mean, survivor is all about you know the the constraint that's introduced right by the fact that you can only pick a team once per year, and that I mean that adds a well that plus the obviously the the rule wrinkle that if you lose, you're out, right? So, um, you know, the the, dr- the drama is amped up incredibly on survivor pools. And, you know, typically what we see there, well, first of all, I'll say with survivor pools, funny aside, uh, I think the the general understanding about how far you're, you will be, you're typically expected to survive a pool is, you know, among kind of the general public is kind of completely in left field right now. So I, I teed this up before we got on the podcast here. So I, I'm going to have you guess at it, Bobby. Um, let's say it's a three week survivor pool. Okay. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick three awesome teams to start out. So I'm gonna go all out. I'm gonna choose three of the best teams in my arsenal. I'm just gonna blow them right all at the beginning of the pool. First three weeks. I'm gonna pick Pittsburgh over Cleveland in week one, Seattle over San Francisco in week two, New England over Houston in week three. Okay, I'm just gonna throw caution to the wind and blow three of my best teams. What are the odds I make it to week four? Oh man, I'd say probably 40, 45 percent. Close. It's it's fifty three percent according to the odds right now on our site, right? So fifty fifty basically, right? Wow. I mean, if you and it's the general rule of thumb, if you make it to week four in your survivor pool, you're doing better than average. Now, if I had a dime for every email we got from our customers that starts with this, I usually make it to week eleven in my survivor <laughs> pool, but I want to buy your product <laughs> to see if it puts me over the edge and I can get to the end of the season. I'd be a millionaire right now. I mean, it's crazy, right? And so, 
and it's the the understanding just of that probability, right? Week four, you're good, right? And it's so you know, and then don't tell me that you get to week fourteen or week eleven every year because it doesn't happen. Someone's lying, yeah. right? So I mean, the interesting thing, I mean, the interesting thing with survivors is that um, you know you have to be ready to take the opportunities when they come in terms of um, you know more of the expected value type approach, right? You may have if there's an opportunity when there's an overwhelmingly popular team that's the top pick of the week that's drawing 40%, 50% of the public's picks and there's a, you know, a a slightly less risky team that's uh, that's drawing, you know, maybe 5% of the public's picks. Even if it's 10% more risky, you know, a 60% winner versus a 70% winner. When those opportunities present themselves, if you don't take them, you're putting yourself at a huge disadvantage to win the pool, right? And if that opportunity comes in week 2, you have to be mentally tough enough to be willing to make that bet and say, hey, the outcome of this is I might be out of my survivor pool in week two and I might not get a chance to compete again for another year. But it's the right economic move to do. And that's incredibly hard for people to to follow. So those are the types of things where, you know, we I think, you know, our our software is built to identify those situations to you know, people tell us the context of their pools. They tell us their pool rules. We gather all the data they need to make the 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 highest expected profit decisions, right? We get good game predictions. We get um, you know public picking trends and predict public picking trends of opponents, um, and then we figure out you know the context of the person's pool and we tell them week by week, sort of here here's the decision that you need to make if you really want to maximize your profits from survivor pools. If you just want to maximize your odds to survive. For you know, save face. Basically, tell your buddy that you made it to week eight this year. Then sure, you're going to blow your your better teams earlier. But you know, if you want to actually make 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 the maximum money off playing in these pools, that's not how you play it. That's extremely interesting. So, is it like a premium feature where you can you guys obviously have this information in front of you where you predict how much of the public is going to pick these teams in survivor pools? Is this a premium or free feature that you guys offer? Yeah, so that's a premium feature. And that part of it's fascinating. David, maybe you can talk a little bit more about sort of how we go about predicting uh, future public picking percentages. Yeah, I mean, for the current week, we we just look at several publicly available sources, right? Like Yahoo, Run Your Pool, Office Football Pool. They all publish information about what people are doing. So we take those and, I mean, basically average it. It's a weighted average based on uh, feedback from our customers saying that like this one site seems to fit their pools better. Um, but yeah, we, we predict future weeks too. So a lot of times when you hear people talking about future value for a survivor pool, they're just talking about this team has a good game in week seven or whatever. So I need to save them, but we actually predict future pick percentage. Uh, and we're, when we take in, when we, when we look at a team's future value, so we look at the other games that are available to pick that week, and we look at how popular we think they'll be. So just like in a current week, you don't want to pick a team that's too popular. You also don't want to pick a team that's too popular in a future week. So some people might say, oh, this team has a great game in week seven. They're like the, the big favorite. I'm going to use them then. But we're looking at the, the public pick so far. No one's used that team. Uh, we don't expect anyone to, to use them until that week, and we think that everyone's going to be using them that week. Then we don't actually. And then there's, and then there's yeah. no advantage in saving them, right? If they're going to be if they're going to be super popular in week seven. Yeah, exactly. So so a lot of times you'll see us use a team uh, earlier that if it's a team that only has a couple of big games in the future, you'll see us using them earlier than some other people that that are taking into account future value because they're not taking into account that everyone else is going to be using them that week also. So there's not as much value in saving them as as you might think. So. You know, we it was pretty fun creating creating that model and like testing it, um, 
And I feel like it's something that basically no one else does. I've never heard of anyone projecting future week pick percentage. Yeah, that's very cool, guys. So this was a lot of fun. Um, I, I want to point people towards the promo that you guys are offering. You guys have been uh, supporting our podcast, and you've got a promo for our listeners exclusively. Can you tell them about it? Yeah, you can just go to teamrankings.com slash fantasy pros, and uh, we've got uh, a bunch of specials there. You can get uh, up to si- up to 60% off right now, I believe it is, our, uh, our yearly packages. Our, our most popular subscription package on the premium side is called our pool pick subscription. And so you, you mentioned March Madness, Bobby. We do uh, we we've built these algorithms and these tools for four different types of of sports pools. So um, NFL and college football pick'em pools. We do NFL survivor pools. We also do college football bowl pick'em pools, which are getting more popular. Cool. And then March Madness. So um, typically they're you know they're thirty to thirty to fifty dollars each. You can get all of them for ninety nine dollars a year with our our pool pick subscription. So you can go there and also link out and uh, and get more information on all our different products as well. Terrific. Well, David, Tom, we really appreciate you guys joining us and uh, good luck with everything this season. All right, appreciate it, Bobby. Appreciate it, Tags. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. This was fun. For those of you listening at home, we've got two more podcasts coming up this week. We're going to do a DFS episode later on in the week, and we're going to be talking about our week one rankings tomorrow, so make sure to tune in for those. We've also got a signed David Johnson jersey from Pristine Auction going on right now. All you have to do is subscribe and review us on iTunes, take a screenshot, and send it to us at contest at fantasypros.com. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.